But this story, this event, this reality, uh, we got to talk about it. And I want to start by making this point or this statement. You know, we all love, we really do love things that are unique, things that are one of a kind. Might be a house, might be some uh, trip that we got to take, or something that we got to see. Um, I'm, I've never been a, a whole lot of times to a zoo, but the couple times that I've been to a zoo, I'm always amazed at some kind of animal that I think, I've never seen anything like this. I don't even know what this is. I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a fish or a fowl, because it's just weird. And we all like and enjoy kind of being able to take in something, and we look back later and we say, never anything like it. I've never seen anything, never experienced anything quite like that. So uh, I want to read one verse, and this is in John chapter 20, the first verse, and just discuss that for a little bit with you. And this says, John 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So he talks about a day. The first day of the week. I want to zero in on a day. Some days are more exciting than others. Some days are more rewarding than others. A day is a familiar unit to us. We all know what a day is. There are, every year has 365 days. So we're used, we're used to that. If you're 50, you have lived 18,250 days. A thousand years of time is 365,000 days. 2,000 years is 730,000 days. Lots of possibilities for a unique day or an unusual day. In, you know, if, you're, if you're talking about over 700,000 days, if we would go back to 4,000 B.C., so I'm talking about 6,000 years ago, before the time of Abraham, if we go back that far, 6,000 years of history, <clears throat> that's 2,190,000 days. You know, we talk about sometimes a most unusual or unforgettable day. We say, um, it, it, you know, this was, the, this was the blizzard of the century, meaning in all the days of a hundred years, um, this was a 500-year flood. The Bible talks about a day when the sun stood still. I take it to mean literally scientifically what happened. This is my guess. Is that the earth just stopped rotating for a period of time. And for a day, it says that the sun didn't move across the horizon. Um, Franklin Roosevelt, back in 1941, said about December 7th, This is a day that will live in infamy. So we... we we can, we can wrap our lives a little bit around the idea of a day. John said that this was the first day of the week when this happened. But it was such a unique day. In other words, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is this. You know, if we would go back in history, let's say 6,000 years, more than 2 million days, and you picked some event and you said, wow, something happened to me on this particular day and probably nothing else ever happened, I guarantee you somewhere, somebody could probably also say, oh no, back when I lived and where I lived, that same thing happened or something similar happened. 
often what may be unique to us perhaps isn't so unique worldwide or historically. But what happened on this day that John tells us about, which he says is the first day of the week, so that tells us that it was the day that we call Sunday. Something happened that nobody who ever lived before or since in any other place of the world, in any other period of history, could ever say, oh yeah, we had something like that happen back when I was living. No, you didn't. Because this was a day like no other. And there was, there was never in another place or another time, there was never an event like what happened. If, if you go back to... 6,000 B.C., and you start counting days, this would be along about day 1,700,000, something like that. We would be at the time of Jesus in history. I'm just saying, if you started at 4,000 B.C., you would be along about that time. And on, on that particular day, John says that something incredible and different and unique happened. He anchors what he tells us there in verse 1. In a day, a particular day in human history. He anchors it in a time of day. He says it was very early in the morning. And he, he, he also anchors this event in an eyewitness, a person who was actually there to describe, who was actually there and saw and participated. You know, John says she was, she was, so distraught, Mary Magdalene, that she just tore off and ran and ran to the disciples and she kind of freaked out on them. And she said, the, the, the body's gone and I, I don't know who took it and I don't know what they did with it. And she was, you know, understandably so worked up. And then it says, John says, that those men that she ran off to and told, they went running to the tomb because they had to check out and see if the stuff that she's babbling about had any credibility. Um, because if it did, nothing ever happened like this before. Nothing possibly could have, have prepared them, uh, it seems like, for this. Let me back up from that day, Sunday, for just a minute, to Friday. If we can wind the clock backward from Sunday to Friday. Because there was a unique day then as well, just three days earlier. And you know the story, how... If you go back all the way to that, what I call in here prehistory, to the time of Adam and Eve, to the Garden of Eden, to the time before civilizations and recordings and, and records were kept in way, way back. We know, because we're told this even in the book of Genesis, that from the very start, when man sinned against God, God said somebody somehow has to pay. And so there was always this deal of a sacrifice that had to be given in the place or to, to atone or to cover over sin. Always that was the case. And the amazing and sad thing is that this was just endless. This was a cycle that went on and on and on because sin and sinfulness continued. Therefore, the need for a sacrifice continued. And then there were more sins. And then there was a need for another sacrifice. And this thing, you know, I, I thought to myself, it's like driving in the rain with your windshield wipers. You know what that's like? It, it is mind, it, it, it's mind-boggling after a while. You have to turn it off because your wipers are going like, oh, 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 oh. And, 
And every time they wipe it clean, more rain comes back. And then they're needed again. And they go back. And your mind could just go numb if it tried to follow this process. Because you could say, this is futile. This is endless. I'm wiping it clean, and then it comes right back. That's exactly what history was like prior to Jesus. But, you know, we just sang this song. The choir just sang. He has conquered death by death. That's exactly what he did. God used death to conquer death. And basically, if I could say it like this, when Jesus came, he didn't stop the rain. So the sin still comes in our life. But what he did was he put Rain-X on our windshield. I don't know if you ever used that stuff or not. I've used it a couple times. Sometimes it works great because I get a good job putting it on. Sometimes it hasn't worked great because I probably did a terrible job putting it on. But if you've never tried it, you should try it. It's a pretty cool product. If you get it on right, it's awesome. The rain still comes, but it just goes away. And the wiper doesn't endlessly need to drag back and forth. Uh, you know, unless it's a torrential downpour. If it's just a moderate rain, you just keep right on driving. And it's like the rain comes and it goes off so fast and so cleanly that it's almost like it can't get its hold on you. It, can, it cannot get its sting in you. It, it cannot stick to your life. And this is what, this is what the death of Jesus was about. All of these sacrifices were culminating, they were piling up on top of each other, pointing to what the New Testament calls a remedy. Not another sacrifice, not just another windshield wiper blast. This time, it was rain X over the whole windshield, and this was the remedy. It's this time, the sins still come, the rain still falls. But the difference is that it cannot, it can't hold us down. We're tied in with him, and he changes it changes this whole perspective. So, that was on Friday, a day that was certainly unique. But then we come to Sunday. And, it was, and, and you know, Sandy read to us how the ladies had prepared the body and put it in the grave. And, and, and that, that period of, of, of waiting. Only on Sunday, only on this day, do you see this happen ever ever, ever in history. Now, I want to clarify one thing, because many people will come back and many people will come up and say, oh, I, well, I, that's not quite believable because of this or this or this. And one of the objections is, well, you know, maybe he never really was dead to start with. And it is true, and you're aware of this, I know, that there have been many instances through history where somebody was thought to be dead. It was, they were presumed to be dead. And for somehow or other, here, you know, some couple days later or whatever, they come wandering in, and it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty amazing. It's kind of wild. Wow, we thought this guy was dead, uh, but it really wasn't. So th- those things happen, but that couldn't have been the case with Jesus for a number of reasons, and there's many good discussions of that, many books that point out the reasons why that could not have been the case. Um, I also recognize the Bible tells us stories, a, a couple, not many, but three or four different instances in those scriptures uh, prior to the time of Christ where someone who was dead was resurrected, was brought back to life. 
There's the instance in the Old Testament of the dude that was thrown into the tomb of Elisha. There's Lazarus in the New Testament who Jesus raised from the dead. But, and there's a couple different instances like that in Scripture. So the phenomenon itself of a dead person living again had happened before. However, in every one of those cases, A, the tomb was opened. There was never in the history of the human race someone who of their own accord came out of a sealed tomb who was dead. In all those cases, uh, uh, you know, the first thing Jesus did with Lazarus was roll away the stone, open up the thing so that when I raise him, he'll be able to come out. Secondly, not only was the tomb open, but, um, but these people all died again. I mean, they came back to life, but they were still subject to the same mortality that we are. So I don't know how long Lazarus lived after he died, but he had to go through the whole thing again. Bless his heart. What a, what a thing to put on your resume. I have died twice, and, you know, I'm not scared of it anymore. Bring it on, number three, if necessary, but it wasn't. Um, and, and also, you know, we're told this is a weird, wacky situation. We're told in Matthew's gospel that when Jesus died on the cross on that Friday night, that there was a, a phenomenon, at least in that local area. I don't know how widespread it was. The sun went dark, it says, from 12 noon to 3 p.m. Three hours. It was like a solar eclipse. The whole world went dark. I guarantee you people remembered that. I'm sure they told their grandkids about that. I remember the day when it got dark for three hours. But there was also, it says, an earthquake. And that earthquake split rocks and opened tombs and tore the big curtain across the front of the, te of the temple in Jerusalem, ripped it in half, and, and shook things up around town quite a bit. But three days later, it says in Matthew's Gospel, after the resurrection of Jesus, some of those dudes whose bodies or bones rested in those tombs were brought back to life. It was like the miracle of Jesus' resurrection exploded outward, and people couldn't, it, it couldn't even be resisted or retained and the power from that actually affected others in the vicinity. And they came back to life. It says they went in and they, they showed themselves to their family. But again, the tombs were torn open. It isn't like these people on their own emerged from a tomb that's still sealed, as Jesus did. So I, I just want to clarify that about the fact that this is a, a carefully chosen statement by myself. I, I mean, I, I, I tried to word this carefully. Only on this day did a dead man come from a sealed tomb that was actually uh, guarded by others. You know, we've all, we're all familiar with Hundini, the great escape artist. And he was phenomenal. I mean, I, I've seen pictures and read things how they put him in concrete and they put him underwater. And they, they put his hands behind the back in a straitjacket and hung him upside down by his feet. And, and he got out of all these incredible things. He was, a, he was amazing. But... Houdini would be the first to tell you he never died and came back to life. He just, he just was very good at pretending that he was in an inescapable situation. But that's different. That's what happened here. This is what the Bible tells us. The angel came. The angel moved. It says the stone. The stone was rolled away out of the entrance of the tomb. But that was not to let Jesus escape from that. When the, when the people came... The angel said, look, go in. You can see. Look, I rolled this stone away. I, I, I moved this so you could inspect the evidence yourself as eyewitnesses. Um, and and, I, and I, I, I always chuckle when I read in Luke uh, 
I'm sorry, in Matthew uh, about these, the story that was put together, cobbled together by the Pharisees and the attorneys who the soldiers had reported to when they went to him in a panic and they, in a panic and told them what happened. They said, well, we can't, we can't tell people. We can't allow that to be known. So what did they do? They came up with the story and they said, tell him he was all asleep. And while you were asleep, these people came and they stole the body. They, they, they got the rock moved and they stole the body. And I, I've, I've always appreciated how Matthew puts it because it's very obvious. He, he's smiling from ear to ear when he says it. It's, it's an idiom that he uses when he says, this is the story that is widely circulated to this day. That is a way of saying nobody believed it for a minute. That's exactly what it means. It's an idiomatic expression that says, yeah, yeah, right. They still say the same line. It's just like watching, you know, it's like watching a newscast from Russia. You don't believe a word you're hearing because you know they're told what to say. Even though they say it and they keep saying it and they keep saying it, it's that kind of thing. So Matthew is saying, yeah, um, they, they, they gave an explanation, but it was, it was so loose and, and discredited that nobody believed it anyway. And they knew that it wasn't believed. Here's the second, the second thing that um, seems to me so strange and different about that day that it seems to me to be very unique. Uh, this, this is part of the story that Luke tells. I'll read it in Luke chapter 24 and verse 5 and 6. Because it's, it's, it's strange and it makes you pause and think. Luke 24, 5 and 6. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. This was in front of the angels that was there. And the men said to them, to the ladies, to these disciples and friends of Jesus, Why, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee. Now, let me just take that apart for a second. Talk about strange and unusual. You have people going to a cemetery to deal with a corpse, a dead body. They wanted to show their respect. They wanted to use their ointments and so forth. They're not going looking for a, a person that's alive. They're going looking for someone that's, that's dead. Uh, that's what they saw. That's what they know. That's what they believe. And that's, that's the end of the story. So they go where the body was placed. And guess what? They are rebuked. They are scolded by this angel dude who says, Why are you looking for... Jesus here, you know, the Jesus who was crucified, the Jesus who was dead. Why are you looking for him here? This is where dead people are. Now, I don't know if that seems a little lopsided to you, but, but it certainly does to me. Where would you go to, 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 to meet up with and to deal with a dead person? You go to the cemetery. <laughs> That's where they went. And the angel scolds him and says, what are you doing here for? Why are you looking for him here? Duh. Why did he scold them? Why was he kind of cross? I don't mean he was really angry, but he was, he was certainly rebuking them. And the reason that he gave 
was this. You're forgetful. Don't you remember? He said. Excuse me. I want to, you know, I want to put flowers on the grave of my dead friend. I go to the cemetery and I get scolded for coming to a cemetery. And I'm told, don't you remember? Remember what? What am I supposed to remember? I, I, I just assume that the dead body would be at the grave where it was buried. What did I forget? What am I supposed to remember? This is to me so key. The angel said, don't you remember what he told you? Oh, that's what I forgot. That's the part that... In other words, the angel isn't upset at them or scolding them because they, they went to a dead place or they went to a cemetery for a, a, a dead person. It's not that. That's logical. He's scolding them because they forgot what Jesus said when Jesus said, um, I'll be dead on day one, I'll be dead on day two, but on day three, I won't be dead. So implication, don't go looking for me at the place where dead people are. I won't be there because I won't be dead anymore. And the angel was saying, look, if you had believed what he told you to start with, you would not have forgotten what he told you. And if you didn't forget what you told, he told you, you wouldn't be here looking for him. That's what the angel's actually saying to these women. Don't you remember what he told you? So he's, he's basing, he's challenging them based on a prediction that Jesus made back when he was still alive. This same Jesus who they thought was dead. And the angel said, listen, your problem isn't that you came to the wrong place. Your problem isn't actually even your memory. Your problem is you never believed him when he said your problem is you never accepted him for who he was, so you didn't believe what he said, which is why you forgot what he said, which is why you came to the cemetery on day three when he already told you he wouldn't be here. It's that kind of a rebuke that they're given. So let me wrap this up by saying here's the implications for us. Here's the end, end, of, the, <laughs> here's the, the, the end of the incredible part as it comes down to us, and that is that what happened on this day was such a shift, such a shift of reality that it should bring and can bring vision to every deathbed, joy to every funeral, hope to every human heart of every person. If we allow it, if we receive it, if we uh, allow it to enter into our heart. You know, um, I'm not saying that funerals are cool. Funerals are horrible. I hate funerals. We all do. They're sad. They're, they're discouraging. They're depressing and everything else. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, joy can still be there in the midst of the gloom and the sadness and the grief because of this. And let me tell you, I've been to hundreds of funerals, and you have too, and you can tell many, many times very easily whether people have got a hold of this or whether they have not. Because you don't really see any expression of the joy if, this, if the people don't have the assurance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. On that day, we're told in the gospel that Jesus came and he spoke to his disciples. He ate bread with them. He ate fish with them. He touched them. He breathed on them. And the reality of his living body and all the implications that that meant for them was... Just mind-boggling 
And the same is true for us. And so I want to close with the same verse that Josh Lance, or in the same chapter that Josh Lance read at the beginning. Um, or no, this was at the sunrise service. Sorry, Josh. You know, there was some intrepid souls. I think it was if somebody said between 60 and 70 of us at the sunrise service this morning. And it was cold, but it was fun. It was beautiful. And uh, it was uh, just a, a, a great moment of pondering. And Josh read there from 1 Corinthians 15. Here's, here's the bottom line for us, so the implication for us, is that this resurrected body of Jesus could never be touched by death again. And, and therefore, that bring, brought to those people, and it brings to you and I, this amazing and wonderful conclusion that we exist not just here today in 2023 in Greencastle. We will exist far beyond this day and this place in a realm of light and a realm of life and a realm of power and a realm of glory and a realm of purity and of joy and of singing and of music and of, of, every, of, of every positive thing. We will continue to exist after our body is dead and decayed. We will be reunited with those other folks who have passed on. And there's nothing that any force of evil can do about it. It's been, you know, it's like uh, when Jesus died on the cross. It, it, it's sort of like the day you bring in your final mortgage payment to the bank. If, if you have a, or a loan. And you say... You put that baby down on the desk and you say, done. And you know what? From that point on, the bank has no hold on you. Or the lending institution has no claim on you. You're done. You done paid them all. Everything is, is, is finished. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 50, uh, 15, verse uh, 40, 47. I love to read this verse at funerals as much as I despise and hate funerals. As much as I dread funerals. Funerals are tough because you don't know, you, you, you don't know how to. You, you know that you can't change the reality of death. But I love to read this verse. Verse 47. The first man was of the dust of the earth. The second man was from heaven. That's Adam and Jesus. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth. That's us in this present moment of life. And as was the man from heaven, so are also those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, which we do right now, we are like Adam in the, in the, in the human image, just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Amen. Dear Father in heaven, may somehow this never cease to amaze us and empower us. Through Jesus our Lord. Amen.